0: This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM.
1: Hey, good Saturday morning to you. Welcome into Kansas Talk, broadcasting live right here out of Wichita, Kansas, on the Big Talker, 1480 AM and 1025 FM KQAM. It is a Saturday morning. I'm Andy Hoosier. Thanks for joining us today today. And good Saturday as we try and kick off a brand new weekend. It is going to be a beautiful weekend here in the Wichita area. Seventies today, seventies tomorrow. Maybe a little rain and storms t- tomorrow evening, which I'm kind of okay with, honestly. Welcome in, and it's great to have you joining us, trying to get you up and going to start off another weekend. Open lines to you at 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the program, we got a big show lined up for you today. It's going to be a fun one. I am super excited. Last weekend, we kind of stepped away from the politics a little bit, talked about business, talked about entrepreneurship, talked about inventors, as we had on the guys with the scrubby that were on. Uh, to, uh, shark tank last weekend, which was kind of neat. So that was fun to watch and hopefully you enjoyed that. So we stepped away from the politics a little bit this week. We're jumping back into it pretty heavy as there's a lot to get to coming up at the bottom of this hour. Travis Couture, love He is the state liaison for the NRA. He's also on the board for the uh, Kansas state rifle association As am I, we're getting ready for the big annual convention for the Kansas State Rifle Association next weekend in Hayes, which means if you still want to get your tickets, if you still want to go there, you have the opportunity. We'll have more details on that in a little bit next weekend. I will be up there live. Uh, I'm not quite sure how we're going to do the show yet because that's right at the same time as some of the shooting competitions. Which means maybe we'll just have to, oh, I don't know, do the show from the shooting range and hear the guns going off in the background. That might be kind of fun. We'll work on some of the details of that one. But uh, I'll be up in Hayes next weekend and look forward to... Uh, Having some information on that that we'll talk about in just a little bit. In our number two, can you believe it? I know that we are a year and a half away from it, but we already have announcements of different candidates running for different seats here in the state of Kansas for our big elections. And we're going to have some of those candidates on the program. Uh, Coming up at the kickoff of our number two, we're going to have former Governor Jeff Collier. He has officially announced his run for the governor's race in the state of Kansas, along with Attorney General Derek Schmidt. He's announced as well. We're going to have him on the show in the next week or two as well. So looking forward to having both of them on. But Governor Jeff Collier, he'll be joining us today on the show live in hour number two. And to wrap up the program, a guy who announced his run for attorney general on Thursday this week, just a couple days ago, former Secretary of State Chris Kobach. He'll be joining us on the program, too. So we have a heck of a lineup for you. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I want to hear from you as well. Hit 316 8255 All of it presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. For all your buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity. For all your gold and silver needs, it's Phil's Coins. They open up in about 20 minutes from now, and they'll be open today on a Saturday until 2.30 this afternoon. Phil's Coins, also online. You can visit all their stuff online at philscoins.com. All right, outside of the guests, I want to hear from you, and there's a lot going on in the state of Kansas. We are currently... In our veto, uh, or our, I guess recess, our spring break, so to speak, with our legislators, as they go back next week to kind of do the veto-proof session, are we going to be able to override some of the vetoes from Governor Laura Kelly? She's been on the frenzy of signing her name, kind of like a Joe Biden. She's loved to be signing her name lately, but it's not been on the piece of legislation. It's been on the vetoes and wanting to send it back to the legislature. So what bills can we override with a veto? What bills will we not be able to override with a veto? She vetoed the bill that allowed the education system to have a course to do educational firearm training. She vetoed the bill that allowed uh, high school students to take naturalization questions for a civics test in order to graduate high school. She vetoed the bill for financial literacy uh, for students to graduate high school which to me just boggles my mind. I don't quite understand it. Now, she used the argument that the Kansas Board of Education sets the curriculums for the school districts, which, I mean, it does, and the state constitution does say that the state board of education has that ability to do so. At the same time, are we literally saying that the local school district has zero say in that in any way, shape, or form? Is that what we're telling our schools is, yeah, you know what? You have to literally just go word for word what the Kansas State Board of Education tells you because you're not allowed to do anything outside of that curriculum in any way, shape, or form. You are helpless. You as a local school district, you as a local school board, you as a parent who says, I want the financial literacy test for my student, which we can talk about the responsibility of that. Should it be the public school or should it be the parents teaching financial literacy? I think a little bit of both majorityly I guess, with the parents because the school's not going to do it, but does the school district locally have any say in any way, shape, or form to add additional curriculum to their district? Because what the bill did did not just have the legislature set a curriculum for the entire school district. It said, we want to see some tests done. You set how you want to do that as a local district. And the Kansas School Board of Education does not like that because then they lose control of, oh, wait a second, you're making your own decisions? Uh-uh, that ain't going to fly. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Do we have the numbers to override those vetoes? At the same time, on the budget side, when we passed the budget, we had some tax decreases, some tax cuts in our state budget from our Republican legislature. Thank you for that one. We appreciate that very much. Um, and she vetoed part of that. And at the same time, with some of the money, the what is it, $28 billion or something coming in from the COVID relief package at the federal level, the state legislature said, hey, we kind of want to have a say on where some of that money goes with our relief from, from the last year with the COVID pandemic. We want to have a say as the legislature. And Governor Kelly vetoed that part out of the budget as well. Which I don't understand because the House of Representatives, the state legislature, they're the ones that have the power of the purse. They're the ones that decide where the funds go. Why is it the governor that's dictating exactly where our COVID relief funding goes to? And you know where she's going to throw it. Vaccine distribution campaigns to force people to get the vaccine. She's going to be maybe helping out businesses, which would be awesome. But why wouldn't that be like 90% of it? Why wouldn't we pay off some of the debt that the state has accrued during this issue? Why wouldn't we give it to businesses rather than just saying, well, we're going to do more vaccines and more vaccine campaigns and trying to do a big push for campaign vaccines and whatever else she wants to do? So I don't know where we're at with some of that money, but those are just a few of the bills that she vetoed that sent back to the state legislature. So we'll talk about some of those throughout the uh, show today and get your thoughts on where we're at, and do you think that we can override some of those vetoes? The majority, Oh, oh, by the way, Angie vetoed the transgender bill as well that banned transgender athletes from participating in girls' and women's sports. Now, there's a financial tie to that, which is why she said she vetoed it, but it actually came up as well at the Republican State Convention that we'll get to as well. That was last weekend. If you knew about it, if you attended, or if you didn't even know about it, the Republican uh, State Republican Party had their annual uh, state convention. Ended up reelecting the same chairman for the State Republican Party, Mike Cuckelman. We'll get him on the program here again soon and talk about the moving forward into election year next year in this off season. What we are doing as a party to continue to grow and build the platform of Republicans in the state of Kansas. But Governor Kristi Noem from South Dakota, big fan of hers. Really big fan of hers. We we love her. She's one of the very few governors in the entire country that did not shut down during the last year with COVID, did not impose mask mandates, did not do the crazy uh, fear tactics that we had throughout the rest of the country and really didn't have any worse numbers or, you know, she was pretty consistent with the rest of the nation with her policies and what she did, which to me kind of tells you something, but she got a little heat at the state Republican convention because she had also, in her state, had vetoed a bill as a Republican on a transgender bill banning transgender athletes from participating in girls' and women's sports. Now, she says it was because just of the wording of the legislation that was at her desk, and she wants it to be revised and reworked, and she would sign something like that. But at the same time, many states are balking and are a little concerned at the NCAA saying that if you have a bill like this, if you have legislation like this in your state, we will not bring our state tournaments meaning like the March Madness tournaments or the women's championships or the men's championships, we will not bring these tournaments and these championship games that bring revenue to your state and to your cities, we will not bring them there if you have these bills because we're all about equality and we're about this and we're about that. So it's a bully tactic. Either you don't pass this legislation or we don't bring the privilege of us bringing our tournaments to you, to your city, and to your state where you can have millions of dollars coming in as revenue with people coming into your communities and just the uh, notoriety of having these tournaments actually in your community. So is it something that we need to be concerned about? And is it a big enough issue for you to say, you know what, let's not have this on the books. There's only like three or four students that have actually been involved in that uh, transgender of playing in women's sports in the state of Kansas. Not really that big of an issue. Why do we need legislation on the books like that? We want to really bring in that because we need the notoriety, we need the money, we need the revenue from the NCAA. Or you're trying to blackmail us, we're going to give you the middle finger and kind of move on and do what we want to do. And that's really the stance that some Republicans have taken in the state legislature. Others are like, well, you know what, they didn't vote for it because the transgender bill did not pass with a supermajority vote from the state legislature. It didn't. It was close, but it didn't pass with a supermajority vote. So is it worth trying to stand on the principles of passing the bill and overriding that veto, or is it too much of a revenue loss for the state and for certain communities in the state of Kansas, as next year, apparently, the Women's Basketball Championship is supposed to be held in the Wichita area here. And in 2025, I believe, the Men's Championship basketball game in March Madness is supposed to be held in the Wichita area as well. And according to the NCAA... If we have this anti-transgender bill on the books, quote unquote, then they will not bring those tournaments here, and they'll pull them and take them somewhere else. So I ask you the question: Is it worth having it on the books for the uh, for the principle of the issue to defend women's sports, or is it just not that big of an issue enough in the state of Kansas that it's worth losing? that type of revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. As you can tell, even with the recess of the state legislature, there's still a lot to talk about and a lot to get to, and we'll get to all of it here on the program today. I want to take a break. When we come back... Yesterday as well, we have a new Voice of Reason product infomercial that we enjoy playing. So uh, we played that on the show yesterday. We'll play that for you today as well, as the Second Amendment has been a major issue in the nation. And uh, already President Joe Biden has come out and made the statement that... Uh, he wants to take firearms away, that we want to start banning the 3D printers for firearms, that we want to try and pass the bills to you know get rid of the evil ARs and the evil assault rifles. And what does that mean for the nation? That's why local, the NRA, and then local gun rights activists and gun rights organizations in each state are extremely important. Why us trying to pass the legislation that we have in the state of Kansas is extremely important, so we'll play those uh, we we created a new product for you that if you don't use the firearm, what can you use to defend yourself? And The Voice of Reason has the answer for that one as well. So we'll play that here in just a little bit. Maybe going into Travis Gator Lovelady, the, at the bottom of the hour uh, with the NRA and with the KSRA, maybe he would get a kick out of that and enjoy that as well. So maybe we'll wait and play that right after the bottom of the hour. Hmm, have to think about that one. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about the census. U.S. Census came out just last week or earlier this week and talked about the increase in population and some states that may be losing house seats that may be gaining house seats. The population growth nationwide compared to each individual state. Where did Kansas fall in all of this, and what does that mean for the state of Kansas? We'll talk about that when we come back and get your thoughts on it as well. It's Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. Lots to get to today for a Saturday. Stay right here. All right, 23 minutes past the hour. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on The Big Talker, 1480 AM, 1025 FM, KQAM. Great to have you for a Saturday morning, getting you up and moving for the day, trying to get you pumped up, ready to go. It's going to be a nice one, sunny one, beautiful one before the storms come in, apparently maybe tomorrow. I don't know, going into the early part of the week, we could use some moisture, so I'm good with that one. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the program, so the U.S. Census results have officially come out. The state of Kansas grew in population by 3% over the last 10 years, between the last census of 2010 to the latest one of last year. You know, 3%. Is that good? Is that bad? I'm curious. Now, uh, nationwide, we saw coincidentally, not coincidentally, I don't really know, the state of California, the state of New York, both of those lost a couple of seats, at least one seat. As population downsized there, we saw the increase in population in the Texas area and in the Florida area. Now, it's really interesting as we go into a redistricting, and we had a guest on yesterday on The Voice of Reason with our national broadcast talking about that issue of uh that's good because republicans will be gaining a couple of seats in the house of representatives over the next year for the 2022 midterm election with new york and california losing some along with some other states and some other seats gaining my question is where are they going to be gaining based on population growth the people are moving to texas if they're moving to florida Then where in those states are they moving to the urban populated areas that are going to give another Democrat seat within a red state to turn it more purple? Or is it going to be more in the rural communities where they maybe grew to where the rural communities have a little bit larger say and we get another Republican seat? At the same time, we do have the redistricting within the states where they're going to be changing it based on uh, population size and kind of redrawing the district lines already. So mm, hopefully it's going to be favorable to those Republican seats as well so it's going to be interesting to see how it works nationwide now nation nationally we grew in population over the last 10 years by 7% just over 7% like 7.4 7.5 nationwide Kansas grew by 3% which means we were below the average nationwide on population growth, I would say some people say that's a good thing. Like, uh, we don't want people coming here. We don't want to grow. We want to stay as a rural community. We want to keep it as farmland. We want to keep it as rural and as small as possible. So we're totally cool with that and okay with that, which I can see. And I totally understand that mindset. At the same time, I would really like us to gain one more House seat. Wouldn't that be nice to have a little bit more representation from the state of Kansas? Our representation overall is pretty fantastic. I mean, obviously, with one Democrat, with Sharice Davids, on the eastern part of the state, we need to work on that district a little bit. But we've grown in the Kansas City area. We've grown in the Wichita area. We've grown in the Topeka area. Do we need to have a little bit more representation in the state of Kansas with uh, maybe the rural communities. Uh, When we redraw the lines here in the state, apparently the western part in the 1st District with Congressman Tracy Mann, that district's going to be growing. It's already like half of the state. It's already half the state, but that district's going to be growing when they redraw the lines to be covering more area because it's getting so populated and centralized in the Overland Park, Johnson County, Wyandotte County area, and here in Sedgwick County in the Wichita area that uh, those districts are shrinking because there's more people, so they get to have less space while the rural areas are actually spreading out. That's a concern to me. That's a concern, honestly, because we need to have a little bit more representation, a little bit more population out in the rural communities to have a little bit larger say out there so that way we can add more to those areas as opposed to the centralized areas of Wichita, Overland Park, and Kansas City. I'm a little concerned about that. 3% 3% growth in the population-wise for the state of Kansas, not terribly bad. It's not bad. We still grew, but I wonder why. I wonder why. It might have to do with something of the fact that we you know, tax our food at a 6.5% tax rate like we do with any other product with sales tax in the state of Kansas. It might be because we, under especially Governor Laura Kelly's proposals, and even under Brownback a little bit, it's been difficult because we didn't get to advocate for some of the stuff that we wanted to, but... We have relatively high taxes for the Mid America region, and that battle that we had between Kansas and Missouri, if you remember, on taxes and businesses, that kind of bounced back and forth between the, the the different lines, the state lines, based on what was going to be the incentive for corporate tax rates in these states. Uh, Governor Laura Kelly said we're going to end that warfare. We're going to end that battle between the two states, and we're just going to just raise the tax and just keep it there so that way, you know, we can hopefully keep them and they can pay taxes and pay their fair share. If you remember, the media loved running the stories the last couple of years about the different legal teams and stuff. We're like, oh, you know, we don't pay enough taxes. We really need to pay more taxes. I'm totally okay with paying more taxes because we just don't pay enough taxes. And I've always responded that if you feel that way, then you you are more than welcome to write a check, send it to the state government, and be like, I'd like to contribute for X, Y, and Z, uh, for maybe, you know what, the Department of Labor's uh, system upgrade, for their unemployment system and their software. If that's what you really feel deep down in your heart that you need to do to be a part of the solution, then write a check and send it to the state government, because openly wanting and advocating for your taxes to go up is kind of stupid. Just saying. Just saying. I mean, it's more of a political stunt of saying I just really feel, you know, uh, like privileged because I don't have to pay as much taxes for my business uh, because it's too low. If that's the way you feel, you can more than happily write a check and send it to the state government. Our goal is not to do special little perks for each business that may be interested and just give them you know, to give them the cow after they buy the milk sort of thing. When you create a an incentive for them to come to the state, you should just have low tax rates already for a corporation for them to want to come to the state of Kansas. We've driven out a lot of business. We've definitely driven out a lot of business in the state because of our tax rates. We've also driven out the opportunity for residents to want to be here because of the high tax rates. We're one of only five or six states in the nation that tax their food. We have an ridiculously high sales tax rate on top of the already income tax rate on top of all the other rates that we have. So I may be wrong. That's my personal opinion why our population didn't grow at the national average of 7.5% when we only grew 3% over the last 10 years. It's good, but it's also bad. If you're not growing, you're falling behind. And we need to grow, and we need to do it appropriately and not just based on inflation by perks from the Government. It's my opinion as we go into the next census of 2030. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, Travis Couture, Lovelady, liaison for the NRA for the state of Kansas, also with the Kansas State Rifle Association. We'll talk about the upcoming convention. We'll talk about state legislation regarding the Second Amendment here in Kansas, what happened this year, and what's going to happen over the next week or so. Coming up.
0: Listening to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker, KQAM.
1: 35 minutes past the hour here on a Saturday morning on Kansas Talk. Great to have you along for the ride here on the Big Talker, 1480 a.m., 1025 FM, KQAM, all presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading your gold and silver with honesty and integrity. They are officially open right now, just opened up a couple minutes ago. They'll be open until 2 30. This afternoon, you can also check them out online at any time at PhilsCoins.com, and we appreciate his support here on the KQAM Airwaves and right here on Kansas Talk as well. All right, we have our guest on the line, but I want to intro him with this. We played it on the program yesterday on The Voice and As you know, we like to uh, do our little fun satire infomercials and our little disclaimer uh, legal disclaimer is that this is not a real product. It is done for entertainment purposes only. However, eventually, I'd like to start making these as gag gifts. So we'll see if that happens or not. But it really drives home the point. Uh, as you know, that we've had a couple shootings in I don't know the last month or so. We had the one at the grocery store in Colorado. We had the 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 Georgia one with the uh, massage parlors. And Joe Biden, the Democrats have always wanted to focus on. Let's find ways to take away the Second Amendment, take away firearms, little by little by little, and What I've seen is the best thing I probably could have seen, which is so many states, including here in the state of Kansas, that we'll talk about in just a second, wanting to just say, you know what, that's not going to happen. We will be the Second Amendment sanctuary state. We will protect the gun rights in our states, regardless of what the federal government is doing. But it really brought the question home to me is if we're trying to take the firearm away, how can you protect yourself? How can you defend yourself? What can you do? Because you have a right to protect yourself. You don't just hide under your bed or hide in the closet and wait for the police to get there to do the autopsy thereafter. Like, you have the right to actually defend yourself. You have the right, if you are in a grocery store, to defend yourself if a bad guy comes in and starts shooting up. And taking the gun away is not going to do that. But you having a firearm allows you that opportunity to do so, because guess what? This may be a trigger for some individuals who don't like personal responsibility, which is why they like maybe some social programs, which is like the government, the, the they love the government holding their hand, walking them through life the, the entire time, because they don't like to take personal responsibility. But guess what? Your safety and your life is your own personal responsibility. So we had to come up with: if you take the firearms away, what do you do? How do you protect yourself? So I'm proud to introduce, and we did it on the show yesterday, uh, our latest Voice of Reason product. Intruder be gone.
2: Crime has been an epidemic in America for years. School shootings, home invasions, robberies, crime on the streets. Whenever you see a gun free zone sign, danger seems to be lurking. But how could you feel safe knowing a firearm could assault you at any time, even in your own home? Well, if this is a concern for you, we have a solution. Introducing the latest in the Voice of Reason product line, the number one safety product on the market, your very own Intruder Be Gone. Intruder Be Gone is a non-adhesive chemical you can spray around each door and window of your home and know you'll be 100% secure from any threat. Growing up, my family taught me safety is my own personal responsibility. But I've also heard about assault rifles in the home. I don't want to be assaulted in my own home. But with Intruder Be Gone,
0: I just spray it all
1: around my home... And now I feel so safe and secure, I don't even lock my doors. My neighbor's house was broken into last week. The gas station down the street was robbed. I felt so unsafe
0: around my own community, I didn't even know what to do. But now that I have Intruder Be Gone, it's a problem I know I will never have to worry about.
2: Feel safe anytime and any place with Intruder Be Gone, even in your favorite public space.
0: I spray my Intruder Be Gone at the front door of every grocery store I walk into. That way I know I'll be completely safe every time I go shopping. Now I never need to try to carry one of those human-killing things on me or worry about getting attacked. Thanks, Intruder Be Gone.
2: Due to the latest patent technology of scent-triggering microorganisms inside each bottle, Intruder Be Gone just takes one quick spray and anyone or anything is completely convinced that Causing harm is the wrong thing to do. Wow, now I remember that harming someone is totally against the law. I can't believe that gun told me to try and kill an innocent person. What was I thinking? Intruder Be Gone comes in many different scents and smells for your enjoyment, including our liberal lemon BO. Enjoy the fresh scent of liberal BS while it keeps all harms out of reality. Or try our Gullibility Mixed Berry. Take comfort knowing how gullible you really are. Plus, try our number one bestseller, Sour Sucker. Pucker up and be the sucker Democrats have always wanted you to be. Act now and get two for the price of one. But wait, there's more! Order your Intruder Be Gone now and get our limited time offer of a yard sign and window sticker absolutely free. Let the entire community know your family, prized possessions, and life are 100% protected from harm with our hot air. That's two cans of Intruder Be Gone, yard sign, and window sticker, all for the price of one. Intruder Be Gone. The future of safety is in the hot air there it is intruder be
1: gone the latest product from the voice of reason and i think i mean why do you even need firearms travis couture love lady state liaison for the national rifle association also board member for the kansas state rifle association travis uh what do you think i mean intruder be gone that could save us and we don't even have to worry about firearms (laughs)
3: hey andy you know that makes just as much
1: sense as a gun-free zone sticker, so <laughs> hey, go for it. <laughs> go for it. Do it, and you can feel completely safe and vulnerable. I tell you what, it's been a heck of a year here in the state of Kansas. We've had some awesome legislation come out uh, to try and protect the Second Amendment, and already we were in the top three nationwide for uh, gun rights in the state. Did we make some progress this year? And I know we got a little bit of work left to do here, don't we?
3: Yeah, we have made progress. Uh, unfortunately, we've got a governor is cozied up with michael bloomberg and mom's demand action and uh, she vetoed our our good gun bills this year so we've got to override her vetoes next week when the kansas legislature comes back for their uh, veto work session
1: i don't understand why she uh, did that now uh, the media is running it as well that way college kids and 18 year olds aren't going to be carrying firearms in school and she vetoed it just to try and stop them from coming in there as far as i'm aware and you can clear this up for me I thought 18-year-olds were already allowed to carry firearms. It had to be open carry. This just said that we were allowed to have them um, conceal carry if it was, you know, I don't know, cold outside, and they put a jacket over their firearm and go from an open carry to a concealed carry. That's all it did, didn't it? That's
3: exactly right. And it was the same argument we had when uh, we passed concealed carry, I think, way back in 2006. It was uh, because we've always been an open carry state, so you can open carry without a permit. Um, but you like I said, you put on a jacket and suddenly you're breaking the law. So this sets up a new provisional permit process. It's the same as the, as the regular permit. It's just for 18, 19, and 20-year-olds. They go take the class, get the training, get educated on the law, and then they're able to uh, get that permit from the attorney general's office to carry a concealed firearm.
1: Yeah, I don't know why that's a really big deal. At the same time, she vetoed the bill that would allow different school districts to have some type of firearm safety course as well, which I guess makes sense because she's, you know, hates firearms anyways and doesn't want uh, students to actually be comfortable and familiar with them. I guess, Travis, she'd rather just have people be so naive and ignorant to firearms that we hear more stories of what we heard like a few years ago of college kids calling the cops when a balloon popped thinking that that was a firearm, right?
3: Yeah, and that's that one's unfortunate. But like you said, there's the, uh, the programs that wanted to set up the curriculum for, to get them into the schools, NRA's Eddie Eagle gun safe program, which uh, it's a time tested very well um, done program. that has got great track record of uh, teaching children. Uh, if they see it, like the smaller children, if they see a firearm, don't touch it, don't play with it, go tell an adult. Right. And so it, it and, and that's to try and avoid those accidents where they think it's a toy or just aren't familiar with the, the power that those things have. So that's that's a great program. Then also for the older kids, it sets up the ability for schools to have uh, the Wildlife and Parks Hunter Education Program or the Gun program that they have. <clears throat> but unfortunately, she did veto that um, after the state school board came out and opposed to it. It's uh, it's it's just it's just sad to see because you know if the legislature doesn't get involved and push on them to set up the curriculum, they're not going to do it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it ain't going to happen. But, I, and that's the question. So, do we have the numbers to override those vetoes on both of those bills? I know I don't think either one of them passed on the first chance with a with a supermajority veto override, uh, supermajority vote. But can we win over some more people to uh, try and override those when they come back in a week?
3: So so it's really close on uh, on the first bill, the reciprocity, lowering the permit age bill. Uh, it, the first time it passed, we ended up, we had 80, 85 plus two yeses that were absent. So we were at good numbers there. But then when it came back from the Senate with some changes, well, we ended up only ended up getting 80 votes with, uh, with one yes absent. So we've got some work to do there. We're trying to work out the, the details with those folks, trying to talk to them, hey, I don't know why you voted yes and then voted no. We need you on this, so we're we're working hard to try and get those people back back in line, back on, on the the right side of that issue. And then the same thing goes with the education bill. Now that that bill well, all of these all these bills really have had great leadership from uh Wichita area representative Carpenter um, from Derby was the one that really pushed for the reciprocity, lowering the permit age bill in the first place, and yeah. um, Representative Stephen Owens. And both of those guys are uh, KSRA board members, actually, too. So there's there's a lot of a lot of really strong folks in the legislature working on this stuff. And then, then on on the uh, firearm safety education bill, you had it was originally uh, an idea that to start pushing that a few years back from. One of your radio colleagues, John Whitmer, when he was on in the house, so that was that was his brainchild, and then we took it to another level, and now, Wichita Rep. Patrick Penn has t- taking a lead on that, and it actually has quite a bit of Democrat support too, especially in in Wichita. Uh, Patrick Penn was working with actually on the Democrat side, Senator Fouskadoe on this. So wow, it's, uh, it's it's by it's yeah, it's been bipartisan. It's, it shouldn't be something that was so controversial, but the uh, The Moms Demand Action folks and (laughs) decided they were opposed to anything related to the NRA, and they were going to fight back, and they uh, pushed Governor Kelly to veto it, and it's pretty sad.
1: It is really sad, but if we're getting bipartisan support for us, then it is encouraging. And as you mentioned, I mean, you're right, Wichita and South Central Kansas has such a huge representation, not only just this agenda, but as leadership as a whole. I mean, with Dan Hawkins, House Majority Leader, and Ty Masterson as the Senate Mm -hmm. President. I mean, we are rocking with the conservative values. And I've been, overall, I've been extremely impressed with the legislative session this year compared to previous years as we have some solid conservative leadership. And we've been able to push out some really interesting, really good bills that we've been trying for a while. And even though we did get some vetoes, I mean, overall, I would still say that the legislative session this year has been a success.
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the House has been great for a few years. Like you said, George Lear Hawkins is excellent. Uh, On the Senate side, President Ty Masterson doing a great job of course he has a real strong conservative majority over there thanks to us and uh, all of us gun rights community working really hard to expose the the liberal republicans that were uh, fighting against our rights in the state senate we were able to flip a lot of those seats get some strong conservatives in there and now it's really paying off unfortunately we don't have the governor's office so it's a lot harder we have to have those strong conservative majorities but we're We feel pretty strong we're able to to get there on some of these bills. We're working really hard to override those vetoes and should go well next week. And if I take off my NRA hat and put on my KSRA hat, uh, the the one big thing that she vetoed on the KSRA side was, uh, you know, there's a number of commemorative uh, specialty license plates that lots of different organizations get. So a few years ago, Representative Carpenter thought, hey, why don't we get one of these for the KSRA? So that we can, you know, have some folks that want to not only support the KSRA, but have a really cool license plate on the back of their car yeah. to do so. And so he decided to go with the don't tread on me Gadsden flag as the KSRA license plate. You know, pretty non controversial in the beginning. He was working through the process and then all of a sudden some some woke liberals from Johnson County decided to fight back and say it was racist to have that under car.
1: It's racist so, to have the Gadsden really interesting all right
4: it,
3: it, yeah it's yeah it's now racist to have the Gadsden flag on your on your vehicle uh, because I, I guess what their argument is is he owns slaves which nobody that voted for that bill would disagree that slavery is a complete abomination and it, but we also think that that flag has nothing to do with slavery it doesn't support slavery nothing to do with it just cuz the guy that designed it happen to own slaves does not mean that we support slavery. It's completely ridiculous. It's all about just smearing law-abiding gun owners and folks that believe in freedom and liberty.
1: Well, I think they're scared. So the governor because,
3: decided to veto that, too. Yeah, well, yeah. I
1: think they're scared because there's such a big representation of firearm owners in the state of Kansas. The Kansas State Rifle Association is such an amazing organization that's working with a lot of the legislatures, even many legislatures, as you mentioned, with Stephen Owens and Blake Carpenter being on the board of directors for the KSRA. And they're scared that, I mean, something like that just shows support. For the agenda they are desperate to try and get rid of in the state of Kansas mm-hmm. because we're – overall, I would say that in the Mid-America region here, uh, in many aspects, we're very much on the purple or progressive side of of some things as a Mid-America rural state, which is kind of mind-boggling to me in some aspects. And if they can start steering the culture that way, then guns, they think, is going to be one of those. And they don't realize how big of a uh, industry or support that the Second Amendment gets in the state of Kansas.
3: That's exactly right, and I encourage your, your listeners to to get that plate once we override the veto because, like you said, it will send a very strong message in the culture war here that says, hey, look, this is Kansas. We value our gun rights. We value liberty. We value freedom. And it'll slap, slap that bright yellow tag on the back of your vehicle, and I'll, it'll send a strong message. For those folks that want to silence
1: us. Yeah, that's amazing. Let's go ahead and take a break here real quick. Uh, Travis Couture, Love Lady, an NRA liaison for the state of Kansas, also Kansas State Rifle Association. When we come back, there's an event coming up next weekend that I want to hone in on up in Hayes, Kansas, if you're able to make it up there. It's going to be a great event. We'll talk about that when we come back and what you can do to be part of that as well with the Kansas State Rifle Association. Ten minutes, the top of the hour. It's Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. Mm -hmm. Seven minutes to the top of the hour. Wrapping up hour number one here on Kansas Talk with Big Talker. 1480 AM, 1025 FM, KQAM. Thanks for joining us today. Travis Couture, Lovelady, a state liaison for the NRA, also board member for the Kansas State Rifle Association, along with yours, truly as well, joining us here on the program. And uh, coming up next weekend, Hayes, Kansas, Friday and Saturday. Friday evening at 6 p.m. for the dinner. We have some speakers there. Uh, It's going to be at the Hilton. Also on Saturday, we have... A lot of festivities going on with a few speakers. We also have a shootout. We also have some, I believe we even have some different shows or presentations on things as well. It's going to be a heck of a weekend up in Hayes, Kansas at the Hilton on Friday evening and throughout the day on Saturday. Travis, I'm excited. Aren't you pumped up for the, it's the annual convention. This is always a big time.
3: Oh yeah, I'm ready for this one. I, it's it's unfortunate because last year we didn't get to have one. So now we got two years coming. COVID killed ours last year, but we are ready to get back and get together and uh, get all the gun rights folks in Kansas together for a weekend of not only uh, talking about all the things we've been doing legislatively, but promoting shooting sports in the state and Get to have a little fun shooting some guns on Saturday out at the Hay City Sportsman Club. So it's yeah. gonna
1: be a lot of fun. Oh, that's gonna be awesome. Forty dollars for the dinner ticket on Saturday. Uh, plus you can get the hotel there at the Hilton. There's I believe a room still available if you choose to do that last minute. And the shooting competition as well, different uh, different presentations on stuff, safety courses. It's gonna be it's gonna be really cool. We have a lot of speakers, including some of the candidates coming up for next year. And as you mentioned, I mean Travis, this is where it happens. I mean, the Kansas State Rifle Association, yeah. that's that's how we promote the second amendment in the state is pressuring our elected officials by working with elected officials and by having it as an organization of Kansans standing up and saying we support the second amendment and i mean that's that's such an important thing here for our state
3: absolutely so we appreciate you helping get the message out and if people want to learn more they should hop on our website kansasrifle.org there's information on the annual meeting <clears throat> there's information on uh our legislative alerts, how you can sign up for those. There's information on membership. We'd love to have more members. We're we're growing yeah. at an incredible rate at this point with all that's going on. Um, people appreciate the hard work, and we're really appreciative of the new members. And On the NRA side, we have added tons of members as well this past uh, few months. I think they said 200,000 new members since uh, Biden was sworn into office, so people are understandably concerned about the direction of this country and really wanting to get involved and understanding that being involved, membership with the NRA is important. Membership with our state affiliate, the Kansas State Rifle Association is very important. Getting involved matters, and it makes a big difference. So if you're interested in uh, KSRA things, check on kansasrifle.org. If you want to check out the NRA, get our Uh, legislative alerts there. You can text NRA to 25017. So NRA 25017. Text message alerts on legislative agenda, things that are happening, so you're always aware of what's going on.
0: Always
1: aware of what's going on. I love it. It's so important, and people are fired up, and they're ready to go, uh, literally and metaphorically fired up, ready to make this happen. And uh, as you mentioned, KansasRifle.org, NRA information, all that good stuff, and it's all here at Traps Couture. Love, lady, Traps, we appreciate the time, my friend. It's always good to talk to you, and uh, we'll see you there uh, next weekend.
3: Thanks,
1: Andy. Appreciate it. We'll see you in Hayes. Hey, Sue. We'll see you in Hayes next Friday and Saturday. All right, wrapping up hour number one. Again, that's cool. Uh, this is how we change things. This is how we become active. And I I know a little tweet tweet that the next couple of years, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for people to be engaged with the Kansas State Rifle Association and get involved with what's going on and let you be part of that fight. It's going to be awesome. Hour number two, right around the corner, Governor Jeff Collier. He'll be joining us to talk about his campaign that he's announced running for governor again here for the state of Kansas. Stay here.
0: Your home for Wind Surge Baseball all season long. Wind Surge Baseball on
1: KGSO all season long is brought to you in part by Buckley Roofing, eGraphics, Trailers and more, Artland Bicycle and Midwest Kia. When it's Wichita Wind Surge
0: Baseball, you know that it's Sports Radio KGSO. Peanuts, popcorn and every crack of the bat. Catch it all on Wichita's leader in sports. 1410 AM 93.9 FM KGSO. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM.
1: It is Kansas Talk. It is hour number two of Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM and 1025 FM KQAM. Happy Saturday morning to you. It goes by way too fast. Are we really done with the first hour already? Halfway through... The program and let's get you up and going, get you geared up for the weekend. We're always here to do so right here on KQAM. Welcome in 3167 218255. 3167 21 Talk. If you want to join in, we'd love to hear from you. All of it presented by Fields Coins 9344 West Central Avenue for all your buying, selling, and trading of gold and silver with honesty and integrity. It's Fields Coins. They're officially open right now until 2 30 this afternoon for a Saturday. Also online. At fills coins.com. Thanks again to Travis Couture, love lady, uh, our state liaison to the NRA, also a member of the Kansas State Rifle Association Board of Directors, along with yours truly, as we gear up for the KSR event next week. We'll have more information on that here in a little bit, as I will be up there emceeing the event next week, and it'll be fun. And our next guest will be up there as well which I am super excited to have on the program with us today, as uh, it's crazy. We are a year and a half away from election season with 2022 midterms, but they are going to be a big one here in the state of Kansas. We have an awesome state legislature this year with our super majority of Republicans. And overall, I I have been able to say this for a long time in the state legislature, but this year I have been so impressed with what they've done, with what they've been able to promote, with what they've been able to pass and talk about and push for. We didn't get everything we've wanted, and we still have some work to do with this next week after Governor Laura Kelly vetoed some legislation that, to me, would be kind of common sense sort of things. But that's why we have a political opposition and political difference there. So as we get closer to election season for next year candidates popping up for the governor's race who can tackle Governor Laura Kelly because I think she truly will be a one-term governor as she was ill-prepared for the COVID pandemic. She has been kind of a follower not a leader. She's been emotionally driven this entire time and it's been driving us nuts and luckily we've been able to put some restraints and limitations on her throughout this COVID pandemic this year. But uh, I'm excited as one of our uh, guests on the program next is the uh, uh, One of the candidates running for governor, the I guess technically the first because he teased it, but then he officially announced here just recently, but former governor of the state of Kansas and candidate for the 2022 race for governor as well. It's Governor Jeff Collier joining us here on the program. Governor, how are you, my friend? No, nope, hold on here. I think we lost you. Let's try that again. Governor, are you there? Maybe. One, two, uh-oh. Let's try it again here a real second. It's uh, Governor Laura, Ke- uh, Governor Jeff Collier. Um, I don't know if we're having a phone issue or not. It sounded good as we were getting prepared. Let's see if he's back on here with us. Governor, are you with us? Hmm. All right. Let's go ahead. I tell you what, we'll get him back on the program in just a second as uh, we talk about it because it's a big deal. I mean, as we talk about the governor's race next year, uh, we have a couple candidates dropping in with Governor Jeff Collier and then along with Attorney General Derek Schmidt. It's officially announced as well, which I believe we'll get him back on the program or get him on the program. He's actually never been on the program with us before, but we'll get him on the program in the next week or so. Uh, Both of them, by the way, speaking at the Kansas State Rifle Association meeting next week as well. See if we got the governor on here with us now. Governor, are you there? huh interesting all right let's go i tell you what let's take an early break we'll see if we can't get him on the on the program see if we can work out the phone issues if not then we'll try and reschedule but we need to talk to him because uh i'm excited about his announcement for the run it's candace talk right here on the big talker kqam stay here
2: stay tuned for the latest news all day right here on the big talker kqam
1: I think we got it all handled there. It was a beautiful introduction, too. I loved it as we talk about this great conservative legislature, and we just need to kind of do a little bit of tweaking at our statewide level, one of them with this governor's race that I'm excited about uh, going into the 2022 midterm elections, and we can really rock and roll here in the state of Kansas as we've had kind of a disaster with Governor Laura Kelly and her emotionally driven last year during COVID. She will definitely be a one-term governor, and I'm excited to have on the program as he has officially announced his run for governor and former governor of the state of Kansas. It's Governor Jeff Collier here on the program with us. Governor, how are you, my friend?
5: Hey, it's much better to hear you rather hey. than having
1: silence. There we go. That is a lot better. I appreciate you coming on the program. First off, congrats on the announcement for the run. I, As I mentioned, I, I know as I know as I know that Governor Laura Kelly is going to be a one-term governor with, in my opinion, the disaster that we've seen over the last year, the emotionally driven uh, kind of uh, reactionary response to COVID and some of the ways she's handled this issue. And it's time for a leader to get back in. And with such a strong, solid conservative legislature, uh, it's it's time that we actually have a conservative governor to work with them and actually get some of this stuff done.
5: That would be a first. We'd love to do it. <laughs> and you know, having a conservative legislator, a conservative governor, Kansas can be someplace, and we've got a lot to do over the next 10 years to move Kansas forward.
1: Yeah, talk about, I mean, if if you're able to get back in, talk about what you would want to focus on. I mean, over this last year, she campaigned on the idea that she wanted to get rid of sales tax on food and then said, well, we're going to let the dust settle when it comes to taxes. Now we're seeing her veto part of the budget that the state legislature uh, tried to propose with cutting some taxes or at least just mimicking what we do at the federal level now being able to do certain deductions. Uh, When it comes to the emergency declaration that she's had and with education, Uh, with the Supreme Court and what's uh, what's been going on there. If you get back in there, what would you really like to focus on to get Candace back on track here?
5: You know, we've got to move on several different fronts. When I left as governor, we had more Kansans working than ever before in the history of the state, $900 million surplus, all-time high household income. What's happened is even in her first year before COVID, our growth rate dropped in half with new regulations, throwing a wet blanket of, of new taxes uh, on it. What we need to do is grow the Kansas economy and put people first in our entrepreneurial spirit first. And you know, my goal is we are going to grow this Kansas economy, and this is where we're going to be in 2030.
1: That would be really nice. Uh, how important is the state of Kansas nationwide with a President Joe Biden, the Democrats pretty much running Congress in both chambers right now? We have a little bit of a, a stronghold in, in the Senate, I guess, you know, if we have the filibuster and the uh, and, and some of the, the rules that we can play there. But Kansas, I mean, where we drive a lot of the agriculture community, where we have the rural community that really uh, is holding on to those conservative principles, how important are we to kind of be that shining beacon nationally?
5: You know, that's exactly what you have to do as governor, is you have to appoint people, you have to stand up to a lot of these policies, because they try to implement, say, a lot of these environmental nonsense. They'll try to implement that through the states, force the states to do that. Uh, for example, you know, Christy Nome turned down the additional... on unemployment benefits, you're going to have to say no to some things, you know, particularly when they're going to be very harmful to the state. And we're already starting to see that. It's not just a couple of lawsuits here and there. It's going to be policy. It is how we're allowing people to come to Kansas. You know, Texas and Florida are taking off. South Dakota is taking off. And that's because of their governors and what they're doing as states.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. We have to say no, which is very difficult for, uh, I mean, government as a whole anyways, but especially progressive uh, politicians that just love that money coming in. I mean, we see the extension of the unemployment benefits right now. Candace Works has a record of 45,000 jobs available on CandaceWorks.com right now uh, that you guys worked heavily on to create that kind of program and to expand it as to what it is today when you were uh, with your administration. We have a record 45,000 jobs on CandaceWorks.com right now available, and there are restaurants, bars, and nightclubs that are in the news all the time saying, we can't get anybody to come in and actually get the job because they're making more money on the unemployment benefits. I saw it over the last year during the pandemic. Okay, fine. Things are opening up now, but yet now people are making more money sitting at home as opposed to going back to work, and that's an issue to me.
5: You know, We've got a bunch of challenges like that. So, when I was governor, we actually had more jobs than people that were unemployed. And what we were doing is we started requiring training, started providing training so that people can earn more. You know, we got to move the entire skill set up of the entire state of Kansas so that we can grow, that people can earn more money, better manufacturing jobs, doing value adds in the agriculture sector. It's about How do we lower the cost of business and increase wage opportunities for Kansas?
1: Yeah, amen to that. We're talking with former Governor Jeff Collier, candidate for the 2022 governor's race, getting back into that seat. Talk about your thoughts right now as we start to open back up after COVID. uh, Businesses are starting to get back on track. We see some of the stimulus money coming in from the federal government to try and assist maybe the bars, restaurants, nightclubs, stuff that we've put a lot of restrictions on. And we've seen a lot of doors closed. Do you think we're opening up fast enough right now? Or do you think it's kind of moving at a slower pace because of Governor Laura Kelly's admin right now?
5: You know, More than one out of three small businesses closed last year. One out of three in in our state. We've got to open up the doors so that small businesses can start back up again. And then they can build employment, building their jobs, building back their lives. And the way that you do that is you you start getting rid of, you get rid of these restrictions that are unnecessary uh, out there. Um, We're starting to see individual counties doing that, and I really commend them on it. But we're going to have to do more. We've got to make sure that they're not starting to impose additional regulations. Already, they're releasing federal OSHA laws that are to, quote, prevent COVID in the future. Well, if the state's going to be enforcing those, we've got to take a look at that and keep a lot of wet blanket sort of regulations from coming on that really stifle innovation, stifle business.
1: Yeah, it makes it difficult. We're starting to see a diversity in the in the state economy, especially here in the Wichita area. I mean, we just saw a lot of new tech industries coming into the Wichita area. We've seen a lot of different type of ag over the last few years, the dairy industry coming in over the last few years as well. Are you seeing a, a slow evolution of our economy in the state with new industry and new opportunities? Or do you think that some of the policies that have been implemented are kind of you know restricting some of that?
5: No, it's slowing everything down. You know, our growth rate went, was cut in half in her first year before COVID, and we're still sitting there with a wet blanket. You know, new technology, new capital investment, you know, when we talk about technology, people are thinking of computers, but that technology is out in the ag sector, it's in the manufacturing sector, and as you increase people's skills, then they can earn more running up more complex technologies. Uh, we're seeing it in healthcare in a whole variety of places. Many other states, Nebraska, Missouri, Iowa, South Dakota are beating the socks off of us. And we've got to get in the game.
1: Yeah. We got a lot of work to do. We got a lot of work to do. And it's difficult right now, especially with some of the, I think some of the high tax rates that we see in the state, especially in corporate taxes to where I remember I, I believe it was during your administration where, you know, they're saying, wait a second, corporate tax rates are too low and I don't pay enough taxes. And I feel really guilty about that. And I, I responded by just saying, well. If uh, you feel like you would need to write more, you can always write the government a check and donate it to the government and say, here, please do my bidding for me. I mean, that's the kind of point that we're in right now, isn't it? We need to keep taxes low so people can grow and have that opportunity to help out the communities they actually need.
5: You know, the legislature passed a tax bill that would keep the balance, the budget balanced and provide some relief to small businesses. Yeah. Very common sense stuff. She vetoed it. And I hope they will override that veto here. We need it to help our small businesses.
1: Yeah, Amen to that. Uh, just a couple minutes left here, Governor Jeff Collier, on the line with this candidate for 2022 for the governor's race. We'll see you next Saturday up at the Kansas State Rifle Association as we talk about some Second Amendment issues, but uh, as we talk about some of the legislation in the state, I mean, the governor did come out and do a round of vetoes this last week, vetoing some Second Amendment stuff with concealed carry for 18-year-olds, with uh, vetoing a bill allowing the, uh, the courses, safety courses at schools for individuals to understand and learn firearms and be more familiar with them.
5: Was, how, how do you veto Eddie the Eagle? <laughs> <laughs> okay? How do you do that? This is this leftist mindset uh, that that we see in government. And you start and you start seeing it in not only in the Dem side, but you also can see it in you know the old guard side. And you know, we've got to stand up for ourselves and you know, move forward. These are common sense bills.
1: Yeah, they are. They're common- I mean, even just a financial literacy class that she ended up vetoing. I don't understand why you would want kids not to understand basic finances, how to have a bank account and how not to get into debt when you get in uh, to go into college and go off down your life and start your life and not understand finances in any way. I know it's kind of up to the parents for a personal responsibility thing there, but isn't that like a life skill you should probably learn at some form, some way, shape or form in a school?
5: Absolutely. I mean, you know, our kids, you know, need every opportunity. And in fact, you know, we do a pretty good job, but and we can do more. And one of the problems is we're actually losing about a third of our kids that graduate from college in Kansas leave. Yeah. We need them here. And, you know, we've got good values, you know, uh, but if we start messing with our schools and start, you know, a more liberal curriculum and you know just taking things off of the board instead of moving forward, like a common sense, you know, uh, finance, you know, plan, things like that. Those are important for kids, and we've got to live in the modern world.
1: Amen to that. Something common sense-go. It's a crazy, crazy world out there for sure. Governor Jeff Collier, uh, candidate for the 2022 governor's race. Where can people find you guys on the campaign trail, website, social media, all that stuff? Sure.
5: I'm the conservative candidate. So look up conservative governor. Look up jeffcollier.com, J-E-F-F dot com.
1: I love it, Governor. It's good to talk to you, my friend. Good luck on the campaign trail. I'm sure we'll be talking a lot over the next year here going into the race, and I'm looking forward to seeing you next Saturday up at the KSRA event.
5: Good looking. You know, I'm looking forward to seeing you next week, and I really appreciate everything uh, as we start talking about We've got to talk about these issues over the next year.
1: Yeah, amen to that, Governor. It's good to talk to you, my friend. We'll be in touch here again real soon, and good luck on the campaign trail. All right, 23 minutes past the hour. We'll take a break. We'll get your thoughts on this and more. We have a lot to get to wrapping up the last 40 minutes of the program here on Candace Talk on the Big Talker KQAM. All right, 26 minutes past the hour. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on The Big Talker, 1480 AM, 1025 FMK QAM. Thanks again to Governor Jeff Collier coming on the program. Great to chat with him again We will be getting into the next week or so Attorney General Derek Schmidt, also candidate for governor in 2022. There's a few other candidates as well that have officially announced. So as I know it's early, it's like a year and a half away from the election. I'm excited to get them on when they announce. We'll get some updates over the next year as they're on the campaign trail. And then obviously once it gets closer to the election time, because that's what we do. You're not going to get this information anywhere else. This is the place to do that here for Kansas and Kansas politics. So we appreciate the governor. uh, And hopefully, regardless of what other Republican gets into the office again, and we did it a lot with Governor Collier's office and Governor Brownback even before that, where we would have weekly updates from his administration. Somebody from one of the departments, one of the agencies, whatever they're working on, focusing on. I've reached out to Governor Laura Kelly's office. It's funny. They actually reached out to me, I don't know, probably six months ago, four months ago. And said, hey, we want to be on your we want you to be on our media list so we can send out media stuff and whatever. And oh, by the way, uh, also would you like to have her on the program? We'd like to reach out and, and expand to talk to more media. And I said, Absolutely. They didn't know who I was at this time. Absolutely. We would love to get her on the program. We need to talk to her. By the way, I do a talk radio show. I didn't even say conservative talk radio. I said talk radio show. Oh, great. Okay, we'll send you over to our media people to reach out to you and schedule something. <laughs> it's never happened. Shockingly, right? Obviously, or else we would have had her on the program. And I would be fair, obviously, with her when she came on the program, but I would ask her some tough questions. So, but she hasn't, and she won't because she doesn't care for conservative values or conservative principles or conservative candidates in any way, shape, or form. She has a hard time working with those Republican conservative legislatures. Uh, why would she come on a conservative talk radio show and have to defend a lot of her policies? So I would love it. And if she did, I would be fair. I would be even. I would just ask her fun questions. But she hasn't. But I miss having that access to the governor's office on what's going on with all the departments and agencies as things are happening. So regardless of what Republican gets in there, I hope we can do that again. And I know that with Governor Collier we can because we have before, and he was really awesome with that. So we appreciate his time very much. Derek Schmidt will be on the program the next week or so, and I'm really excited to talk with him because I have realized as the attorney general for the state of Kansas – in all the years that we've been on the air here, I have not had him on the program, and it was a little bit of a mishap on my end. I just never thought about it. I never thought about having him on the show, and I know there's been some interesting legal issues that have come on. So I'm excited, really excited, to t- chat with him about issues going on in the state as Attorney General, also his run for the governor's race because that's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting race. It's going to be a fun one. The last governor's race in the primary that we had was a bloody, brutal battle. And my message that I can come out, and as you know, I mean, that was the the dual uh, primary between Chris Kobach and uh, Jeff Collier, and it came down to a 350-vote margin in the Republican primary, and it was bloody, and it was brutal, and it was very emotional. I don't want it to get to that point for our primaries. I want it to be tough. I want us to square off and to spar on conservative principles and Republican ideals in the state, but we need to unite as a party. We cannot allow a Governor Kelly to continue to run this state because you can see how well it's gone over the last year, especially when we needed a leader during a pandemic. And we're not getting that. We're getting it from the legislature now, which is awesome. We're not getting it from the governor. So if we have those two united in a front, moving in the right direction, then boy, oh boy, this state would be unstoppable. Speaking of Chris Kolbach, he'll be joining us right after the break here as his run for Attorney General was announced just a couple days ago here in the Wichita area. We'll do that when we come back right here on Kansas Talk with the Big Talker KQAM. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on The Big Talker, 1480 AM, 1025 FM, KQAM. Thanks for hanging out with us today on a Saturday. Last half hour already. Blows right on by. Goes by way too fast. Joe Pag's live with the weekend. He'll be joining. Uh, joining. He'll be on the KQAM Airwaves here in about a half hour live. So make sure to stay tuned in for that one. Uh, we are getting Chris Kobach to call here momentarily as uh, he is in the wings, so we'll get him on in just a second. I love the headlines, though, from the Topeka Capital Journal of all of these races where they say the Kansas Gubernatorial race, already a toss-up between the Republicans and Governor Laura Kelly. Laura Kelly obviously must have some very bad, low-rated approval ratings here in the state, which is hilarious because, if you remember, during the Brownback administration and even during the Collier administration, they uh, the media, once a week, once a month, multiple times a month, would run these different uh, reports and these news stories talking about the low approval rating of the governors. Oh, look at this low approval rating. Oh, this low approval rating. Look how bad that they're doing. Nobody likes their agenda. Nobody likes what they're doing. Since Kelly's been into office, I have yet to see a single one. In the last however many years now that she's been governor, I have yet to see a single poll showing her approval rating in the state, whether she's doing a good job or a bad job. The media has not run with one, which tells me that they're probably pretty low. Because if it was high, they would be gloating and be like, look, at this time, Governor Brownback had this approval rating, and this time, Governor Collier had this approval rating, and now Governor Kelly's got this approval rating, and she's doing so much better, they would be rubbing it in our face. But that's not the case. We have yet to see one at all. So, of course, the gubernatorial race a year and a half out is already at a toss-up because we are livid with the way she handled the pandemic over the last year. But what this tells me, with so many candidates announcing races for so many different races all over the state, between the governor's race and now the attorney general's race, and already gearing up for some state legislative races, with the excitement a year and a half out... Tells me two things. Number one, um, we are really jumped the gun here when it comes to election season for 2022 for the midterms because we literally have a year and a half before we actually uh, have an election. But at the same time, it tells me Republicans are fired up right now. Republicans are fired up all over the state of Kansas. Republicans, the fact that we have candidates announcing races across the board in the state of Kansas means that we are in a really sweet spot with the state legislature. It also means that we are in a really sweet spot because we see the opportunity at the state level to reverse course uh, with the governor's race to really uh, try and protect ourselves statewide with an attorney general's race. We have state legislators that are prepared to try and help push us past that supermajority level that we're already at in the state of Kansas. If we can take control of these things again in the midterm election, could you imagine where we'd be? Because we're still upset about the loss of President Donald Trump in the 2020 election, and we have a governor that's a disaster, and if we can protect ourselves with what's going on at the federal level with Joe Biden and his administration, then we'd be all right, and people will be swarming to come into the state of Kansas. So I'm excited. I love the fact that we have so many candidates announcing right now. It's a year and a half out, but the fact that we are geared up, we are fired up, and we're ready to rock and roll means that I'm pretty optimistic about what's going to happen in the next year. I think we have them on the line. Let's go ahead and jump to it as uh, we talk about candidates announcing. Just a couple days ago here in Wichita was the official announcement for former Secretary of State Chris Kobach with his announcement for his run for Attorney General. That's pretty exciting. So uh, on the line with us here, I'm excited to have on here Mr. Chris Kobach. Chris, how are you, my friend? Are you there? No. All right. You know what? Until then, let's go ahead and go to another line here, shall we? And we'll see if uh, we can get him on the line here uh, and momentarily. Line number one. Good morning. Use this.
6: Hey, buongiorno, Andy. Sean here. Sean,
1: what's going on, sir? How we doing? Hey, man,
6: I'm having a cup of coffee, but there's something not quite right about it, Andy. I I I think it might be systemically racist.
1: <laughs> Your coffee is systemically racist, okay?
6: Well, it's either that or my taste buds, and and you don't think my taste buds could be systemically racist, do you? Mm.
1: I don't know. I mean, that would be interesting.
6: Well, I got some beer at home that I know is systemically tasty and delicious, so we'll know soon enough well you okay. know what beer
1: is universal so therefore it, it can't be racist i mean it, it it will be universal for everybody to indulge in the wonderful delicious taste of adult beverages so you know what that's just what you're gonna have to do i guess
6: yep that's right okay well um uh, <clears throat> collier has my vote he doesn't have to say much to convince me either okay so, but, very uh, interesting
1: so you, you've already made up your mind do you, I, I don't know how many other candidates are planning on jumping into that race over the next year, but as of right now, the two major candidates is Jeff Collier and with Derek Schmidt. So you said that Collier's already got your support.
6: Well, I didn't. I forgot about Derek Schmidt, but I, I just put it to you like this then, since there's another. Whoever has the best chance of winning, that, mm. they're going to get my vote. I, see. I don't want four more years of a Democrat, so <laughs> well, messing up the
1: yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a big race and where we go not only with the state but as the party as well is going to be important so I am curious to see how this goes as more candidates jump in I'm really curious to see what other candidates are going to jump in because Jeff Collier is already a a high profile candidate uh for the race Derek Schmidt is already a high-profile yep. candidate for that race. So, I mean, maybe another state legislator or two may jump into that race. Maybe some of their business people, like we saw that Bob Hamilton and some other guys during the last race that jumped in that were just, we didn't know them, but they were business owners and they they wanted to try and jump in the ring for that. So, I mean, that's awesome. I don't, I don't know what other high-profile names may want to jump in to try and disperse that. I I have no idea. It could just be those two big guys that that duke it out. It could be another panel of seven or nine candidates like we saw the last time.
6: Yeah, it could be. I mean, there's still time to go before the uh, election, so we'll just have to wait and see. But I'll tell you what, I don't know why people can't figure this out. If you look at Florida and Texas as an example, but I saw where... population of kansas is at 2.9 million mm-hmm. now i thought it used to be over 3 million if and and if it was at the last census we've lost people sure. the best way that you're going to keep people here and attract new people and businesses <clears throat> is you're going to have to cut taxes first of all and, and uh what's what's more in a place like wichita <clears throat> if you want to see it grow and uh increase your tax base We're going to need more jobs, and I mean good-paying jobs. We're also going to have to have more amenities, man, because bars and restaurants and whatnot, uh, dinner theaters, that's not enough. I mean, we got these great theaters that Bill Warren built, and we got the world's largest IMAX theater, I think, but we don't have uh, a place like we used to have, like Barnacle Bill's Fantasy Water Park, uh, which... I don't know why, but that got torn down probably by around 1995. It was gone. There was a Home Depot where that used to be, and that was, I went there once. That was a pretty cool place for to go, you know, in the summertime. And then, sure, <clears throat> she said, used we to need some have more joy. entertainment
1: stuff. Which I agree. I mean, we got we got a cool zoo. I would love to see an aquarium in this area as well. I really, honestly, I miss going to aquariums now. I'm not a big water guy, but that it kind of piques my interest. I'd like to see that. But you're right, more entertainment here than just going to a bar, going to a nightclub, going to, I I don't know. I mean, I I don't know what else there is. I mean, there's a lot of kids stuff. You can go to the trampoline parks. You can kind of go do that sort of thing. There's the baseball stadium, obviously, but I'm not a big, uh, um, I don't know. I'm just not a big baseball or sports kind of guy. So if they bring some concerts, that's cool. I'm really excited for concert season to open back up. But you're right. I mean, we just need some more fun things to do, I guess, statewide, I guess, as a whole.
6: Well, uh, how about a you know we used to have one of the one of the country's first theme parks built in the Midwest back in the 40s, and that was Joyland. We we could use another theme park, but uh, uh, theme parks and water parks, you know, it's like the public swimming pools. That's that's that stuff is seasonal because you can't really operate them in the dead of winter when it's 17 below outside. Yeah, yeah that does make <laughs> so, it difficult. Uh, now no, I will but say but with the
1: governor. Well, I will say with the governor's race. I, I know that there was speculation of Mike Pompeo that wanted to run and potentially jump into that race as well, because the rumor had it was that he was going to maybe run for Kansas governor before or Senate race before he jumped into a presidential race. That was the speculation among some that were just obviously just speculating all around. But it sounds like I mean he's already been making trips. He's he's working with some think tank now and that he's already traveled to Iowa a couple of times. It sounds like he may be jumping on board for a presidential run in 2024. So it sounds like he may be jumping right off the bat going into an election season that way.
6: Really? I hadn't heard that. I I, I know about the rumors of the Senate, but of course those were rumors. He, he never said he was. And I, I know that when he first ran, he promised he wasn't going to do more than, than uh, 12 years in Congress. And he did, sure. he did have to, but who, But after he already spent half a dozen years there, why go back to that crap?
1: Yeah, well, I <laughs> I, I mean- completely agree there. I there, uh, Sean, I appreciate it. We got some other calls I want to take, and I think we may have uh, Chris Kobach on the line as well. So let's jump to him, former Secretary of State, and after the big announcement that happened. And by the way, Sean, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I I want to get to our guest and. We'll get you back on. I appreciate the phone call very much, my friend. But after the announcement a couple days ago here in the Wichita area is uh, running for the attorney general here in the state of Kansas. Again, just heating up with these election seasons for next year. Republicans fired up, man, and getting all ready because we want to make sure that we maintain a conservative values here with whatever's going on nationwide and what the governor's been doing here and some other shenanigans as well with some of the Democrats statewide so excited to have on the program he has officially announced his run for attorney general here in the state of kansas mr chris kobach with us here chris how are you my friend
4: i'm doing well andy great to be on the show
1: oh it's great to have you again it's good to talk to you and congratulations on the announcement this is this is big news going into ne- another midterm election
4: it is and you know it's it's something if you'd asked me maybe four years ago uh when trump was just starting his his term i you know would you think about maybe running for attorney general i I probably would have said, I don't know, but I, I don't have any plan to. But I tell you, what what happened in November, which I think surprised a lot of listener, your listeners and a lot of us conservatives, we thought Trump was going to have a second term. And yeah. we never imagined that if even if Biden did get in, that things would be going this far left this fast. Um, I realized that the the only state official, the only government official on the Republican side who, who has an ability to stop this Biden freight train to the left is a state attorney general. Uh, You can, if you're a Republican in Congress, you can protest and shout, but you don't have the votes to stop anything. And if you're a governor, you can protest and shout, but you can't can't really do anything. But uh, a state attorney general can bring lawsuits and and stop some of this madness uh, in its tracks.
1: Uh, you're absolutely right. And when I heard your, your speech a couple of days ago here in the Wichita area saying that, I mean, it really drove it home. The fact that we can do something. I mean, now is the point to where the federal government's going down Looneyville. I mean, the fact that we put this guy in office, just I, I can't grasp it. I don't understand it. It's wild to me. But you're right. While we see so many states, for example, like the Second Amendment putting in Second Amendment sanctuary laws in their states, Kansas, we kind of already have it. And we're kind of digging our heels into that one. The taxes, the the Obamacare expansion, the infrastructure plans, the family plans. I mean, all this garbage that is just seasoning us for this massive government overhaul of everything. We need to remember the federalism mindset of states have the right to say, uh-uh, that ain't going to fly. And the Kansas Attorney General can do that.
4: Absolutely. And if you look, Andy, at the things that uh, are in not only the executive actions that Biden has already done, but the things that are on the on the table and already passed through the House and Congress and sitting in on, on the Senate floor, you know, things like H.R. 1, the, the big election federalization bill, that's unconstitutional in so many ways. Yeah. Uh, it would wipe out our photo ID in Kansas. It would wipe out um, our Ability, our, our our constitutional right to determine the time, place, and manner of elections. It would wipe out our ability to decide when felons get their voting rights back. And all all three of those things, by the way, are unconstitutional. Um, this, if that passes, and if I'm Attorney General at the time, it's going to have to get through me because we'll be dropping a lawsuit on that thing the moment <laughs> the president signs it yeah. to get a preliminary injunction. And, and the state attorneys general. Over the years, the courts have developed standing doctrine, which is the doctrine of who gets to bring a lawsuit and who doesn't have standing. Attorneys general of the states uh, have standing to challenge All of these things that the Biden administration is doing or threatening to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, it'd be the first line of defense with any kind of uh, legislation or regulation coming into the state, and that's extremely important. Have you talked to other attorney generals in other states, or do you think that if, you know, you you do these and you file these lawsuits and you go after the federal government the way you want to, that other states would be on board with this to kind of use this as a unity of states saying, "Uh uh-oh, we're not going to take this stuff?
6: Absolutely,
4: I have. And it's interesting. There are a group of red states that are willing to you know, bind, bond, bind themselves together and, and stand together uh, against the Biden administration. So there's a, a, a group of, I'd say, about 15 states that are usually willing to consider doing something, but there aren't that many states that are willing to do the work. And, and what I mean is this. So you might get 15 states to sign a Um, a lawsuit saying that we will all be plaintiffs, you know, to challenge the Biden administration. But not all 15 are going to be willing to devote the resources and actually be the lawyers who do all of the writing of the briefs and the arguing of the case. And what's been happening is right now there's really only two states that are are actually carrying the load. Uh, Uh, Those are Texas and Louisiana. And that's not enough. I mean, there have only been nine lawsuits since Biden took office by state attorneys general. And by my count, there are twice that number of executive actions that should be challenged in court. It, compare that to uh, the Trump administration. During the Trump administration, there were 103 lawsuits brought by liberal attorneys general on everything under the sun, including things that were obviously legal, like when they challenged the uh, travel ban right at the beginning of the Trump term. And any, any lawyer who read the law would know that that lawsuit would eventually fail. But they did it anyway because they were determined to stop the Trump administration and unfortunately there aren't enough attorneys general willing to you know do the work so i'm hoping as attorney general for Kansas Kansas can stand side by side with uh, Texas and Louisiana yeah. in in bringing these suits and doing the work.
1: Absolutely. We're talking with Chris Kobach, former Secretary of State, candidate for Attorney General. You had mentioned H.R. 1 and some of the election stuff. Right now, we're seeing some pushback from legislators in the state of Arizona as they do some of their audits on on the Dominion system, some of the voting systems that they have. We see the pushback and the massive heat that the state of Georgia got when they tried to pass oh. some uh, voter uh, changes and voter laws there in the state of Georgia just recently to where MLB and the Major League Baseball just said, we're not even doing the All-Star game. Now they're getting some heat. I mean, that's the type of stance and that we need here in the state of Kansas. I mean, overall, you worked as obviously Secretary of State. You've worked with our election system already. From your perspective, this last election, did Kansas do well? Do we have some more work to do? And if H.R. 1 does start coming down, how would that impact our state uh, voting process?
4: Well, so, Andy, as, as you may remember and, and many of your listeners will, will recall, in 2011, uh, I drafted and, and then our legislative allies got passed. Um, our bill, the Secure and Fair Elections Act. And I I put everything in it that I could think of that would make our elections secure. So we had photo ID. We have proof of citizenship when you register. We have the equivalent of photo ID when you're doing it by mail, where you have to either send a photocopy of a photo ID or give them your full Kansas driver's license number. And that's worked really well. And since then, there have been a number of things that that we've added. And to your question, when we saw all this voter fraud uh, in 2016, that got a lot of us thinking, well, is there anything else we could do? And there there was one thing we could do, and, there's, and that was uh, considered by the legislature this year, and that was adding a signature, and it's in a bill that's not, that went to the governor's desk, and I believe she uh, vetoed it already, but it could be overridden. That would require a signature on your um, absentee ballot that has to be verified. Right now, when you sign an absentee ballot request form or advance ballot, as we call them in Kansas, you have, your signature has to be verified by the county before they send you your mail-in ballot. Mm-hmm. This additional requirement would require that your signature has to be verified on the outside envelope when they receive your ballot back, too. So, we've done just about everything you can do in Kansas. I mean, a Kansas voters should be should feel confident, and feel good that we've got a system that the legal protections are in place. Yeah. Um, so, but there are still a few other tweaks that we can and should make.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, the fact that we can put up those walls against HR one and, and, legislation like that coming down is going to be huge. Last question. We got just a couple minutes left here as we wrap up the show, but uh, obviously we're excited to see you next weekend at the Kansas state rifle association up in Hayes uh, with that one. That's going to be really fun. But second amendment issues, Biden's already trying to come after those. We have a lot of solid laws here in the state of Kansas, but as some of that comes down how important as attorney general could you do to try and block some of that and continue to uh, to make sure that Kansas is a Second Amendment sanctuary state?
4: Um, a lot. I'm glad you asked the question. So uh, some listeners will remember the Second Amendment Protection Act, which I had a hand in, in writing along with some great Second Amendment legislators. That was in 2013, I believe. And that, lacked, that, that act authorizes the Kansas attorney general to step in if the federal government uh, tries to enforce a regulation that is unconstitutional. And there are a number of ways it could be unconstitutional. It could be unconstitutional as a violation of the Second Amendment. It could be an overextension of the commerce power where Congress is trying to regulate something that has nothing to do with interstate commerce. But it authorizes the attorney general to step in. Plus, if the uh, Biden administration does something else with an executive order, or even if an unconstitutional statute is passed by Congress, the Kansas attorney general can step in. So that issue just as important as election law is one where I would like to stand between the Biden administration and between the leftists in Congress and the people of Kansas, because somebody has to stand in the gap and protect our Constitution and protect our citizens of Kansas against this unconstitutional craziness coming from washington
1: yeah amen and i mean you're right the second amendment uh protection act that we did i mean that really put us on the board for second amendment rights and it's been uh, an issue that the federal government has not liked for a long time and we were one of the first ones to do that nationally yeah i think a lot of states are really kind of mimicking now so i love it uh we got just yeah. about a minute or so left before we have to wrap up but where can people find you as you're on the campaign trail i know you're in western kansas right now aren't you
4: um, I am South Central Kansas, out uh, west, and uh, west, west, west for most Kansans. And uh, I'll be out in uh, north, Northwest Kansas uh, a week from now. Um, but if people want to figure out what's going on with my campaign, they can go to chriskobach.com, K R I S K O B A C H.com, and we'll be posting information there as well.
1: Fantastic. Chris, uh, it's good to talk to you again, my friend. Uh, congratulations on the announcement. I'm excited to see uh, going into this election. I was just saying, you know, before you came on that the fact that so many Republicans are announcing races uh, all across the board in Kansas for different seats shows that I think Republicans are fired up in the state of Kansas right now to really take back what's been taken from us at the national level and even somewhat at the statewide level as well. We're fired up and I'm, I'm optimistic about moving forward in the state, aren't you?
4: Uh, I, I agree completely. And I think uh, if things pan out the way they're starting with so many republicans so many conservatives fired up we could see 2022 looking a lot like the tea party years of 2009 and 2010 that's what i'm hoping and we're going to need that we're going to need people to be really aggressive and ready to defend their constitution
1: man i'm excited about that chris it's good to talk to you good luck on the campaign trail and we'll see you out there at hayes for the kansas state rifle association meeting next week we'll talk to you again here soon chris
4: all right, take care,
1: Andy. Always a pleasure right there. That does it for us today. A heck of a show. A lot of great guests, a lot of great content we've covered. Next week, we'll be out there at the Kansas State Rifle Association annual meeting in Hayes, Kansas. I don't know whether we'll do all the show live, whether we'll do parts of it live out there, do updates depending on how the schedule is going to look, but we'll be out there excited about it. You can go to CandisRifle.org for more information. If you'd like to go as well, until then, we're back at it on Monday for the voice reason. We're back at it next week for Candice Talk right here on KQAM. It's a crazy time in Candace right now, so strap down, buckle up, and let's make this happen because we are in control of the situation. I promise you that. Until then. I'm Andy Hoosier. This is Games Talk here on the Big Talker KQAM. Everybody have a wonderful weekend.